You are listening to the Fire and Lunch podcast. As a reminder to those listeners wishing to remain unspoiled for the books, run. This is an all-spoiler podcast. All published books and novellas are fair game. Thanks. And who are you, the proud face said that I must eat this pie? This podcast is brought to you by the Stannis School of Syntax and Sentence Structure. You'll make far less, or, I mean, fewer mistakes with his lessons as your guide. Hello, we are Fire and Lunch. Welcome to the podcast. This is episode 33, Kill the Boy. I'm Megan. I'm Jenny. And I'm Katie. So before we start talking about the episode, uh, we just wanted to give another reminder that we're going to be at the Ren Fair in Philadelphia next weekend. And Jenny, do you want to give more details? Well, it's this weekend. This coming yes, weekend. Yes, this weekend. Yeah. So Saturday, <laughs> Sorry. Saturday we weekend. will be waking up early and journeying to Philadelphia um, by bus and train and various means of transportation. Um, so, yeah, we're going to meet the actor that plays the mountain and get some photo ops and eat some turkey legs and if you're gonna come you should tell us about it and maybe we can all meet up and if you want more information you can check it out at uh, phillyrenfair.com nice i will be with you guys in spirit i hope you all have an amazing time next we'll just move on to talk about the episode so what are, what ray pie rating would you guys give kill the boy don't all volunteer at once well jess gave it a Rhaegar. yeah we should know that Jess, who's not on the call, she loved it. And she wrote a very long paragraph about how much she loves it. So Yeah. Lots of sass and Stannis and sass and Starks and more sass, apparently. So I think that's a good summary. I think yeah. we'll touch on things she enjoyed <laughs> during the discussion. Yes. But sass, basically. Yeah. I, I'm still, like, hesitant to give things regards for some <laughs> reason. Because, um, I don't know, I'm, I just, I want to, I, I have hope that, you know, it'll keep getting better, so I don't want to do that now. So I'm going to stick with my Jared all the mode, but, like, you know, with a lot of Rhaegar ice cream. Katie, what would you give so, this episode? I, I am giving it a Rhaegar. I'm going for it, because I, just this season, we've all been saying it. Like, it does feel more confident. It feels more... They really just kind of know what story they're telling now. They're not so concerned about telling George's story or adapting it. They're just doing their story, and doing an amazing job with it. I'm very happy with this episode. I was very happy with it as well. And I know that will shock people that know me and know my love for the <laughs> North and Jon Snow. But I will also give it a Rhaegar. Because I think I've already given an episode of Rhaegar this season. So I have no qualms giving them out early on. Um, Same. Yeah. <laughs> I basically agree with what has been said and what Jess also will get to later, I guess, with all the things we liked about it. But I just thought it was a really well written episode so yay for Cogman and I just really enjoyed this is a Cogman the... episode? Yeah it's yes, a Cogman it episode Yeah Brian and I enjoyed the storylines that they focused on and I thought they did a really good job of kind of bringing certain storylines to more importance that have kind of been pushed aside in the past So I, I mean I agree happy. with Jess when she says that it's nice that they're confident enough to do episodes that do not involve King's Landing Although, yeah. they do have an advantage now that they can still focus on Tyrion without it being in King's Landing. <laughs> I mean, that is true. But the Tyrion stuff hasn't been a lot, like, long. No, but it's been very good, so I'm happy yeah. with it. Yeah, like, I'm, I'd be kind of curious to see a breakdown of, like, screen time for the characters for the season, because I feel like Tyrion has not been seen that much. Yeah. it's. I feel like it's mostly actually been the wall. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Which is great. 
<laughs> with very, no complaints here. <laughs> very strange. It's like, what show are we watching? <laughs> yeah, I'm like, whoa. But, you know, Katie, it's really nice to be back at the wall. <laughs> After so long. Yeah. After so uh, long. <laughs> <laughs> I'm never going to forget that. <laughs> the whole time. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So let's give out some awards for this episode. Is there any award that, in particular that anyone is itching to give out to anyone? Well, I mean, we can get back to the MVP, but I just want to say, you know, our Stark watch was originally put in here because Bran was not going to be a part of the season. So it was very exciting to see Bran and Rickon in the previous layout. <laughs> well, and we also <laughs> added it because we didn't really have a lot of confidence that they would actually show the Starks at all. That's true. <laughs> Which, of course, they've actually shown some of um, them a lot. So, yes. And this episode was probably one of the most Stark-centric episodes in a while. It was. So, yay. Katie, um, any award you want to give out, or should we move on to other categories? Um, well, I'm kind of torn between MVP, between um, John and Stannis. Really? No. We gave it to Roose. <laughs> yeah. I have to no, make it I to mean, Roos. well, like, I hate Roose, so I'm not giving him anything. If, unless it's, like, a shit pie, I'm not giving anything to Roose. Like, I hate <laughs> Come on. He was trolling Ramsey so much. It was great. Yeah, no, no like, one trolls harder than Roose. Remember that moment, that great moment, where he totally trolled Jamie. Yeah, like, like led him on to think that something happened to Cersei. It was great. <laughs> it made me think of how he acted, and like seeing this episode made me think of that. Just because it's the same behavior that he was doing when he was like, like "Oh, by the way, we're pregnant." Oh, by the way, this is how you were conceived. <laughs> like, oh, what? by the way, it's a boy. You're totally screwed. Sucks yeah. for you. This dinner sucks. <laughs> well. <laughs> I mean, maybe it's just to the credit of the writer or the credit of Michael McElligot. Like, just I was watching that and was just disgusted at the entire family. So I was just—I mean, like, I was too. Bruce. That's why it's great, <laughs> right? I mean, but I mean, I was more like the fact—the fact that I can talk about Stannis afterwards. Like, I'm—I'll be honest, <laughs> I didn't totally buy the Stannis love for a really long time until like today. I'm talking about the episode to somebody, and they bring up. Stannis and I'm like you know what I like about Stannis he just like finds what someone's good at and he just goes for it like he doesn't try to force them into anything else he just accepts who they are and says okay good you're good at that do that thing and I'm thinking to myself where is this coming like where is this insight coming from that I'm all of a sudden like waxing poetic about Stannis and I'm like oh right he was amazing in this episode so for me he's MVP Jess would be so happy to hear that yeah (laughs) and he was pretty amazing he was Yeah, and by the way, I'm referring to his scene with Sam, where he just kind of, instead of saying, wow, you're not a warrior and I need you to be a warrior, he's like, oh, you're really good at this research thing. I need you to keep doing that. Read more, Sam. Read more. Right. Right. I'm like, yes, good. Thank you, Stannis. Thank you for not being an asshole and forcing him to try to be a warrior when he's not. Yay, Stannis. Yay, Stannis. (laughs) Jess would be so proud. So we had some disagreement over what would be the favorite fan shout out mine i that i just thought was hilarious and i think the people in the bar that we watched the episode with also thought it was hilarious but <laughs> when Eamon made the comment about a targaryen alone in the world being a terrible thing and then john like immediately walks into the room totally laughed totally i love laughed. that i okay. thought like, and it totally i think was playing to you know r plus l equals j and the whole yes. fan theory so that's the one i went with Jess thinks that the favorite fan shout out was the fact that they actually talked about Valyria and the Doom and well not giving us like the whole backstory, but at least they had some discussion about Valyria. So there I think that's poetry. actually pretty strong. Yeah, there's poetry. 
<laughs> well, I mean, like, exactly. I miss all of the, the le- you know, the cities on the Roin. I get why they couldn't do it. But, I mean, going to Valyria just, like, blew my mind. I was still talking about it 15 minutes later. <laughs> I'm, yeah. I'm watching it with my mother. She goes, what's wrong with you? Why do you look like that? I'm like, guys, we just went to Valyria. I mean, that oh shot God. that shot of Drogon flying over Valyria is really nice. Yeah. And kind of, it's really eerie and it's very, it's very cool. I mean, you know, yeah, I have my whole, you know, sorrows and that's where the stone men are and why are they in Valyria. But, you know, like, it's cool <laughs> that they showed us Valyria. Yeah. <laughs> Although I wanted so I guess, there to be a volcano, so. Yeah. So we'll get to that, I guess. <laughs> But so I guess those are that's like they're co-winners of the favorite fan shout out. Yes, but I do appreciate how much this season has been like. Let's give you all the history because they haven't been doing that for the previous four. <laughs> true. It's Very like true. it's like a world of ice and fire came out, and they're like, "Oh man, history is important." We gotta put this in the <laughs> well, show. just all of a sudden, the world just expanded exponentially. I love that. Well, I mean, that's so much a part of A Feast for Crows and Dance with Dragons. I mean, it's something that people complain about, but it's also one of the things I like about those books. Well, well, people who, I feel like it's people who only watch the show are like, but why can't we focus on this one aspect being King's Landing? It's like, well, that's not, that's not the story. It's not going to be about that one thing because it's not really about that at all. It's about this entire world having to fight against something and how does it come together? Mm-hmm. Any other awards people want to give out? Uh, Ned Stark Award? <laughs> <laughs> well, there's some dissension on that. <laughs> I, yeah, I mean, I, I put out John as a winner. I, I feel like he's won the Always award. John. Yeah, I mean, you know. <laughs> um, if but, they're going to pick one for this episode, it would have to be John. Yeah. Yeah. And to be clear, I think it's great that he wants to go to hard. Or, well, in the books he wants to, in the show he's kind of pushed into it but yeah i think the and wanting to help the free folk and all that stuff great i think those are the right decisions they're definitely the honorable thing <laughs> um are they the smartest thing i mean i think they are but i can totally see why other people wouldn't think they are especially since in in the show johnny acknowledges half the people hate me and yeah, they'll like, hate me if i do this <laughs> realistically are they smart choices probably but politically, maybe not so much. Yeah. Well, it's interesting because when you're reading this in the book, it's the same discussion we always have when we talk about his decisions here. But in the book, you're in his head so much that it's kind of hard to see what other people would be having that would be like objecting to this. Um, not that you wouldn't understand it, but it's like you're so in his head that you kind of miss on a lot of stuff. Having this in the TV show where you're actually seeing other people's reactions and you're kind of experiencing it a little bit through their eyes too it's very much more uh, like it's obvious that he he just doesn't have a good path here he knows what he's doing is probably the better course but he also understands why this is a hard sell to everybody yeah like long term it's the right decision short term it's probably not the smart decision for him which i think we can lead into the ollie watch for this yeah <laughs> Um, oh, Ollie watch. Ollie was not very open to John's comments <laughs> um, it, when after the meeting with the other members of the Night's Watch, and John tried to be like, "Well, Ollie, winter is coming." <laughs> um, you could totally tell Ollie did not give a fuck. And I, to be clear, I love John, but I totally see Ollie's perspective on this. And John cannot expect this child to be open and receptive to this kind of behavior with the free folk. No, especially. I mean, they just went through this attack. It's not like 
this was new. I think Ed's words really drove it home for me. Oh, yeah. I, I understood Ollie, but it was Ed saying, you know, they killed Gren, they killed Pip. And I just kind of had a second where I was like, oh, shit, he can't ask them to do this. You know, because it it's very, very fresh that their friends were killed by these people. And I'm going to say it now, Ed, and I know we've kind of theorized this, but Ed is going to be one of the people. No. No, I refuse. I'd like to think that Ed will be one of the people that does come around. And I think that would be more natural than, like, Ollie. Because even though, like, Gren and Pip died, they were all, like, fighters. They were people that were part of an army. Whereas Ollie and his family and his friends, those were innocent people. They weren't part of an army. Like, that was just the free folk killing well no but this is his first significant scene really this season isn't it yeah actually so i mean the fact that his first significant scene is showing dissent against john i was just like oh this does not bode well i mean it doesn't (laughs) but i don't i just can't see ed stabbing him it's just terrible Yeah, but that's all in the head i'm like that makes sense like but (sighs) book ed would not do it show ed i don't know I guess we'll have to see. Let's um, go to something happier in our favorite one-liner. <laughs> oh, yeah. And Jenny, you can say it. This isn't a strange place. This is my home. It's the people that are strange. Yay, Sansa! Burn, Sansa. <laughs> and Jess points out the fewer what-nothing line, which was I also mean, yeah, amazing. that was great. No, I love and, that. That's my favorite. And Rachel <laughs> did point out the part where Danny put her hand on his dark shoulder to, like, basically put him fo- push him forward, but then obviously didn't do it because he's alive <laughs> but yes <laughs> i agree that was actually really badass too so mm-hmm. yeah those are all very good ones grayscale watch and yeah this of course is really relevant <laughs> for this episode. um jorah he's got oh, it jorah. like you knew it had to be him because it was somebody that you had to have a deep connection to so you'd really feel badly about it but yeah. like god damn it <laughs> well we were sitting in there in the bar like going check check the fingers check the fingers and then it was his wrist i was like at least john con could have like you know cut off a finger he'd have to cut off like his whole damn hand yeah then he'd be like jamie yeah i know but you know mr give me a clean death anyway would probably agree with cutting off the hand now the lips. <laughs> yeah and of course we also saw shireen again so there's the grayscale watch and now yeah. she's going south to winterfell the child she's doesn't clean. everybody there yeah I hope that random Winterfell servant is like, the child is unclean. <laughs> Someone just has to say it. <laughs> so let's get on to the introductions. I don't think there are any goodbyes this episode. So I think it's just introductions, right? Introducing Jorah Mormont, t- playing the role of John Connington. Exiled mm-hmm. Knight, check. Unrequited love for Targaryen, check. Traveling with a quote-unquote secret Targaryen, check. Though vomit to that one. Getting grayscale, <laughs> check. <laughs> Uh, the stone men terrified me, and I don't know if it's because I have a visceral, like, fear of them from the books, or if they were just scary in this TV show, but the second they, I saw them kind of, like, appear on the wall there, I was like, oh, God, and I must have turned, like, pale, because my mom's looking at me like, what's wrong with you? Mm-hmm. Why are you do? who are they? And she's just, like, trying to figure out everything, while I'm like, Shh, no, no, there's a battle, shush. <laughs> I thought they looked great. I really had no idea what to. I didn't really picture them in my head ever. I don't think so. I no. don't really have an image, but I was like, oh, that looks scary. Works well for me. 
it was weird because they were just like just dropping in the water and just like dropping yeah. onto the boat. It was like was this weird. is kind of freaky. I don't know what's going no, on. it's really scary. It was very surprised at how creepy it was. And then of course there was the fade to black, and everyone's like, uh, "Is this how they're gonna leave it?" <laughs> That was actually really well done in retrospect because it really did make everyone like look around at each other going, is the episode over? What's going on? Like, what? I think someone in the bar was like, just said no at some point, like during that gap. (laughs) And I was like, yeah, no, I agree with you. So that's a good segue. We already kind of talked about Valyria, but of course, a new place. We got to see Valyria with all its, you know, smoke and fog and ruined buildings. And it wasn't flying cars and robots and good no. Wi-Fi and internet, or capitalism, like, capitalism. Or <laughs> <laughs> the modern era. It looked pretty abandoned until the stone men started falling onto the boat. <laughs> well, it's yeah. like, I'm a little sad only because I think I did that chapter in A World of Ice and Fire uh, where you were talking about the Reuters culture. So I'm like, oh, but this is all of their cities that were kind of put into Valyria. So I'm a little bit disappointed in that, but I also understand it's a TV show. They can't do all of that. Don't be ridiculous. So, I mean, just seeing Valyria was cool to me, but I was a little, I was a little sad. That we didn't get to see all the other ones. Yeah. Like you didn't get to hear about the Roydish people and like how much they, it's just, it's a cool culture. I really kind of became endeared to them in doing that podcast. So now I'm kind of like, oh, well, that's fine. I guess we won't get them. Sad. And if you're, and if you're Rachel, apparently you just relate everything to Robin Hobb. I know. It's like what I, I'm not even reading these books. What are you talking about? I don't even know what she's talking about. And I read these books. Unless she's talking about the ones that I didn't read. I don't know. So we also had a reintroduction of the tower where you know Bran. I like that Lauren wrote Bran felt. Well, he, Bran was pushed. I wouldn't really say. Bran fell. But she's a Jamie apologist. <laughs> but, you know, there's there's a lot of callbacks to season one, like previous yeah. seasons. In this entire season, you're kind of reminding yeah. everybody, hey, this is the same show, but we've come really far. Which is kind of fun. Yeah. And hey, if Bran can't be in the episode, at least the tower where he, you know, became a cripple is in the episode. That's also, true. do you remember how tiny... Bran was in that first season. Oh my god. <laughs> I'm looking at that tower, I'm, tower and I'm like, Bran could literally have just like fallen two feet at this point with how tall he actually <laughs> is. <laughs> uh, and I think like Lauren made a good point where it's like that tower, of course, is associated with horrible things that happened to the Starks. But now there might be an association where it might be more about saving and salvation. So that's kind of interesting that the D&D or whoever made that decision chose to kind of have that be the location for Sansa's candle, which I think we'll talk about Sansa's candle as we get into the episode mm-hmm. more, but that, so that was a, I thought that was an interesting point. And I think that wraps up all the introductions, and there weren't any goodbyes. I mean, technically, Barristan died last episode, so even though, so I guess the goodbye wasn't this episode, though the confirmation was this episode. Yes. So. But they kind of ruined that anyway with the preview from last week. That is very true. <laughs> And the fact that they also did a um, a lot of interviews with the actor yeah, who plays Barrison, and they didn't do any yeah. interviews with the actor who plays Grey Worm. So I'm like, well, all right, no more spoilers. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> yeah Grey Worm isn't dead. No, he's not. Which is he's making good. out with Missandei. Yep. Which 
That's, <laughs> well, so let's talk about our Rhaegar a la mode moments. Um, I guess that's a good segue to that one. So we can actually talk about <laughs> stuff that we liked in Marine, I guess, first. I really liked the stuff with Grey Worm and Missende. I thought that was... They're just adorable together, and I think they're sweet. And I like that the show gives them scenes away from Danny, because before we didn't really have scenes with Danny's the people in Danny's like entourage in seasons one and two when they're by themselves. And I I really do like mm-hmm. that the show has started to give her support, you know, people more scenes that don't really have anything to do with her. No, I mean, I don't really care either way, but it's fine. Well, I'm interested. Like, there. What is? I like them. Both actors are doing a great job with it. I think it's a really cool little character development thing. But I'm also kind of wondering where this is going to fit in the overall plot because you're at the point where there are there's this season and then there's two more seasons. So essentially we have something like 25 episodes left. Yeah. So now every scene that you have really has to be integral to the plot. Like it has to be important. So I'm wondering where their relationship is going to come out later. That's true. It's probably because one of them will die horribly and they want us to care. Yeah, I mean, I, mean, I, I could feel be like that yeah. too. <laughs> Jenny, I think you're right, and that's going to be really sad. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, because, but I think, Katie, you're making a good point because it's like, are they even going to go with Danny to Westeros? Like, is that really their place? I mean, maybe they're setting them up because they won't go with Danny to Westeros and they're kind of going to be what's left behind. They will stay in rule, Marie. Yeah, it's like there's going to have to be a reckoning here. There's going to have to be a reason why it's important that we fall in love with their relationship. Now that's depressing. Um, (laughs) Let's go on to something that's not depressing, and that was (laughs) Danny basically feeding her dragons with (laughs) the master. I don't want to overfeed them. (laughs) I just thought that (laughs) scene was actually pretty well done. (laughs) So. I mean, she does well with the speaking Valyrian. Yeah. No, she really does, but... <sighs> and that I little, love... like, fake shove on his door, that was good, too. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the thing is, I... She's saying, through her scene with Missende, which I also really loved, um, that she doesn't know what to do, and Missende kind of goes, like, I've seen you take your the advice of your advisors and leaning on their experience when your own is lacking. And then I've also seen you ignore them and do what you want. And I feel like the dragon thing didn't fit because that was more of what, um, Oh my God. I just tuned out his name. Dario. Yes. <laughs> That's more of a Dario move in the violence of it. And like the, the anger and the pushiness of it. And then when she actually does go to his star and in the prison cell and pulls what she pulls and is very kind of ruthless that way, that to me felt more like Danny and I was proud of her in that moment. So yeah. the whole scene with the dragons, while it's badass, was really like, what are you doing? Like, this is not who you are. You couldn't even watch an execution that you put forward and you're going to feed all these people to the dragons. What is this? I feel like, A, I think she's more comfortable with the dragons, which is maybe her Targaryen thing coming out. And then, B, I think Mosador was, you know, supposedly on her side, and she was having to do that. Whereas with the Masters, I don't think she can as much. <laughs> True, and she does have that Targaryen temper. She is pretty angry. Yeah. Well, and I think you're not supposed to think she's doing the right thing when she no, does that. But I still thought that was a good scene to have in the same episode where then at the end she of course yeah, I agree with you I think her decisions at the end of the episode are more in line with Danny than well, they're more politically yeah. sound 
And I did love that scene between her and, and Masende. And Jess made a really good point that it kind of parallels the scene that we'll talk about later with John and Eamon, where basically Eamon's saying, just do it. Like, I don't even care what the decision is that you <laughs> don't want to make, but <laughs> just do it anyway. Um, so it was another time of the show kind of paralleling their two storylines. Yeah. I also like Danny basically being us last week on the podcast and being like, Barris in the bold, he died in an alley <laughs> against some idiots in masks. Great. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So since we're in Marine, let's just talk about Jorah and Tyrion, if people have any Rhaegar Alamode moments to that. I know that Jess and I, I mean, Jess and I, and I think, I assume some of the rest of you might agree with this. We do really like, and we talked about this earlier, that they did include the history of Valyria, because that is something that the show hasn't really given us any history. So that was kind of nice. And Tyrion seeing a dragon was super awesome, and I loved that part. It was amazing, and you could see him, like, transform into this little boy who's like, oh my god! This is all I've ever wanted to see! Now, do you think Jorah, like, recognized that that was Drogon and was like, hey, Drogon? Yeah. Well, I think he was a little bit, but I also think he was like, holy shit. Yeah. Big. You know, again, the thing about learning the history of Valyria, I love it. I love that it makes the world richer. And I also am like, oh, good. So Valyria will play a part (laughs) in the story to come. Like, I'm always looking for clues as to why this is important to show this. Yeah. Well, I kind of wondered, because... The show could have, either because they have the answer from George or because they could have made it up, but they could have actually given a reason for the doom or, like, given more details, and they didn't. They still left it very vague, and so I wonder if that will actually come into play later on. Yeah, I think it will. I think that's the whole point. It's like they're starting to show you mysteries that you need to know about now. Yeah. I would like to know the answer someday. Yeah, I mean, they're playing up They're playing up the... Um, the attorney at Heron Hall now because they're like, oh shit, we need this. You know, <laughs> they're playing with the doom of Valyria now, which is great. I mean, that's why I'm like, oh good. Now I'm learning what's important. So when I go back and reread the series, I can be like, I don't care about you. I'm going <laughs> to skip to this. <laughs> I don't care about the Greyjoys. They're not important. Oh, oh God. Poor <laughs> So I think segueing from Valyria to the wall makes perfect sense. <clears throat> since Well, I was just going to say that like, it doesn't, it doesn't make up for the fact that there's no John Connington, but I'm glad that someone got grayscale trying to save Tyrion. Yeah. Yeah. And Rachel was also very glad <laughs> that someone got grayscale. <laughs> and then I'm yes. trying to find her note. Her note just made me laugh, though. No, she said, I will admit that when the stone men attacked, I started whooping. So what if they were in the wrong place? I started yelling, give Jorah grayscale. <laughs> Poor Jorah. Alas, I am a <laughs> I just, like, I knew it. As soon as I had the stone man, I was like, God damn it. It's going to be Jorah. And I hate that because I love Ian Glenn. And, but like, it, it really is very sound plot wise. It's like, this is the, if you had to give it to somebody who exists right now in the cast, it's got to be him. Yeah. Well, I knew Jorah. I knew it was going to be Jorah the moment I saw them in a boat and knew where they were going. I mean, like back when we were looking at production yeah. stills, I was like, Jorah's getting yeah. grayscale. I mean. I bet he wishes that they had cast John Connington. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, he's as fucking tragic as John Connington, too. Like, for what's going on now. He's just... Yeah. I think John guy. Connington's more tragic. I I appreciate he is more Ian tragic. Glenn because he's nice to look at. <laughs> even if he well, never changes his shirt. I actually do not like Jorah, and I'm not a Jorah fan, so I don't care. Well, like, that. book Jorah, it's a difference between book Jorah and, like, show Jorah. Like... 
book John Connington way more tragic and way more like I sympathize more with him than book Jorah. Book Jorah is kind of weird, but show Jorah <laughs> is I, I way more am sympathetic towards him. Like he's They're the only reason same. why I have any affinity with book Jorah because <laughs> like, I'm picturing him. But oh, Ian Glenn, we ho- I hope he doesn't turn into like the Stone Men. We don't know because well, George hasn't written where that yet, going, so right? we don't know how fast. I don't. Well, I mean, John Connington's been pretty slow. That's true. So, I guess we'll just have okay. to see. Well, that's the thing. No one really knows how fast. It, well, but we did get a little bit of it from uh, Gilly's story about her sisters. That's true. Yeah. He's gonna turn into an animal, then he'll really be like a no. bear. Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> So. Yeah, Castle Black, because that, you know, there is someone with Valyrian blood at Castle Black. There's two, actually. Kid is killing it as Jon Snow this year. I'm so proud of him. <laughs> so there are many scenes at Castle Black. All of them were regular Earl Mode scenes to me. Um, but that's an obvious, <laughs> so I can let someone else <laughs> jumpstart the conversation. He's so tragic, John, And he's tragic in a way that he's earned. Like, he really is trying to do the best for everybody, and he feels like shit because he knows that he's screwing somebody over no matter what he does and it's not like he's isolating himself he is being isolated by the choices he has to make and I actually really like that too because I didn't agree with John isolating himself in the book but I understand it here and Kit is playing it so beautifully like that last scene where he just kind of like hangs his head he's like oh god my life sucks and it's like yeah bro it does Sorry about yeah, that. Yeah, are you talking when he gets back to his chambers after the meeting with the Night's Watch and he, like, runs his hand over his face? There's that, and but there's also, like, when Ollie leaves and he sees that he tried very hard to reach this kid. And you could almost see the – and by the way, the kid who plays Ollie is doing really great, too. But you yeah. see, like, the curtain kind of draw over his face. And he's like, will there be anything else? And John just goes, he was my only friend. <laughs> <laughs> and now you're going to stab me. <laughs> and now you're going to stab me. God damn it. Which is why Eamon's advice to kill the boy just no. really makes sense if you think about it. <laughs> oh, God, my coworkers I mean, love that line. Yeah, so, um, okay, one, basically a lot of it came from the book, so yay. Thank you, Cogman, for that. Yeah. And not only did your coworkers love it, Katie, the bar loved it when Eamon gave that a voice to John. <laughs> they, like, cheered a lot. No, I feel like every male who hears that line, they're just like, God, that's just great advice, man. <laughs> well and i should note that one of my closest male friends who is you know he's unsullied he's never really been into john i know i still hang out with him Uh, (laughs) but i repeatedly last night and today i've gotten texts from him telling me about his man crush on john snow oh eric john is his hero so i'm very happy that you know people are coming to the light i'll welcome you I mean, this season, people are starting to like Jon Snow. People are starting to like Stannis. It's like backwards I mean, world. This is yeah, good <laughs> season opposite for land in Game of Thrones fandom. Well, I think Jon is so – he tries really hard. You've got to watch him from being this kind of arrogant teenager to being pretty clueless and trying to figure shit out. And now he's an adult. and He's trying to – he's not playing at it. He's really got all this responsibility. And he's trying very hard to be decent. And it's really hard to not like that, you know? Yeah. And I think the show has done a good job of basically taking the spirit of his chapters from A Dance with Dragons. And it seems that stuff's getting more condensed, of course, because, you know, they have to get to hard home. Um, that is episode eight. And so Which, I, I like how mm-hmm. they've gone about it. And I like that they do continue with using 
you really can tell that he's using the term free folk in front of certain people and he's using wildlings in front of other people and it's still continuing. So that kind of like consistency and I think that attention to the detail for John's story so far has been very good. And I loved his scene with Tormund just because I love seeing those two together. But also I mm-hmm. thought that it was just a great way of like presenting the argument that John has, which is what we all talked about and what Davos already mentioned to John too, is that the free folk are part of the realm. And the fact of the matter is that the Night's Watch hasn't been doing their oath, you know, for years. And I just loved the, how they did that scene and how that was written. And of course how it ended with John taking off his chains. Cause I was like, Oh, nice. Yeah. I mean, it's kind of all, the frustration that I've had with his character up until now. This is the payoff for it where you're just like, John, what are you doing? Because now you can kind of see, oh, he was growing. He was becoming a person, you know, and this is his bravery and his insight and his intelligence and his willingness to do what he feels is right is the payoff for all of those scenes of him just really being clueless. Yeah. It doesn't make up for season no. two. But well, that's specifically what now. I'm talking about, too, which is really funny. Yeah. I try to ignore season two. <laughs> I know. Uh, season two, John, was not great. And there are some other great moments of the wall that actually didn't involve John. I know, shocker. Uh, but I loved hearing Eamon talk about Danny. I thought that was really nice to get. Where did they get that message? I have no idea, but I'll take it. I'll take it. <laughs> I was talking to... A co-worker, and he was like, it sounds like he's reading, like, you know, HBO summaries from Danny's, you know, scene <laughs> in Marine. Like, oh, here's the, here's the press release. I well, mean, I mean, are they using Littlefinger's TARDIS? Like, how, how is it getting there? I know. Like, who, why are they sending them to th- Sending these messages to well, them? Maybe the Citadel sends updates out to him at the wall. But why does the Citadel know? And the, hold on, but what timeline are we working off of right now? Yeah. I mean, I'm assuming the Citadel's keeping tabs on what's going on with Danny and the dragon. I guess. I mean, it's not hard. It's not like she's trying, she's doing it secretly. No, I know. <laughs> it's just kind of funny that, like, they're just reading this ridiculous message. Well, yeah. <laughs> like, I'll what? still take it, okay? Because I don't, because obviously Eamon's not going to get on a boat and, like, get closer and hear about the dragon like, the way that it tells in the books. So I'll still take it. I'll take this. <laughs> but wait, is he going to be going, maybe he's going to do a journey to try to get to her. That made me think about that. Like, is he going to go to try to go to Marine rather than go to Old Town? I don't know. No, he's going to so. die. I think he's just going to die and then Sam might leave. Maybe. Yeah. No, but that, you have to have him die away from the wall. It has to happen. Otherwise, the whole ice cell thing is ruined. What? Why? Okay, here's the deal. So there's a theory. <laughs> have you not heard this theory where the reason why Eamon was sustained so long is because he was near the wall and there's oh, yeah, a magic in the wall that kind of keeps things suspended? So if you don't have that already ruminating in your head, then the whole idea of John's body being in an ice cell and kind of staying fresh and clean for when he comes back out of ghost and is put back in there by Melisandre. Like that, that all has to happen together. Like you have to have the idea of Eamon being preserved at the wall. And then the second he leaves the wall is when he really starts to deteriorate. I'm pretty sure they can work around that. Yeah. I mean, he'd have to die at some point anyway. The wall can only do so much. He does deteriorated faster, I think, because they left, but also John won't be at the wall when he gets stabbed. That's later. true. <laughs> he's no, going to he hard house. He has to be at the wall. He has to be at the wall. Uh, Katie, even in this episode, he's going to hard house. 
No, shut up. He has to be at the wall. He Episode eight is called Hard Home. <laughs> they they can't they can't kill off the character. They they're not just gonna like fire kid. <laughs> no, they're not killing him. I'm sure he'll come back another way. I mean, I'm not really behind the whole. I mean, we'll get to this later. I think when we talk about Mel, Mel is leaving the wall. So I, that may not be how he gets revived anyway in the books. Well, that would piss me off because I've invested a lot on that theory. <laughs> I mean, I know I can speak for Jess, sort of. Well, I don't want to speak for her in all things, but in this, I can't. And I agree with her on this. I don't want it to be Mel. I'd rather it be some sort of northern magic. Yeah. Well, I don't want it to be Mel either, but it makes the most <laughs> sense. And I've defended this theory a lot. And God damn it, I want to be right. If he is a Zora Hyatt, would make sense if it was Mel. That is true. Especially she's been the one seeing the prophecies. I mean, Even though she's been misunderstanding them. I mean, if he's a song of ice and fire and he goes into ghosts and that's northern magic and he's brought back by Melisandre, that's fire. So it could make sense. Yeah. I mean. Totally. See? Thank you, Jenny. <laughs> yeah. I mean, guys, we're going to know in like less than a year. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. <laughs> I was thinking about this last night. I was like, oh, my God, there's only five more episodes left in this season. And then he'll be stabbed and dead. And then <laughs> next season, we'll, we'll have the yes. answer. There's 25 hours left. Uh, okay, they're going to bring him back as soon as possible. George may have John be out of, like, commission for a while. The show's not going to do that. So, back to the show. I just want to give a shout-out to the Shireen and Dava scene, which was totally adorable. And nothing better happened to that girl, because I'm really scared. <laughs> well, I'm becoming less and less trustful of her, and I feel like that... I feel like an asshole, because I really do like Shireen. But the more they talk about Grayscale, the more I'm like... Are you the plague monkey? Like, what is your deal? How did you know she probably will be? Even if she's the outbreak monkey, she's still, it's not her fault. Yeah. It's not her fault, but like, what is your deal? It's not her fault. Leave her alone. It's not, but I'm just worried because it's like, I want to hug her, but then I don't want to die. (laughs) (laughs) The child is unclean. The child is unclean. Oh my God. So. We saw Stannis and his army leave, and I forgot to mention earlier that Jess wanted to make a like a shout out to Ramin for great use of music when Stannis's army leaves. And I agree; I thought that was a really great scene when, like, the lead up to it with Davos talking to Shireen, and then Stannis talking to Jon, and you know all that, and then also just the army leaving with the music. So that was great. And they're heading towards Winterfell. So, guys, let's talk about Winterfell because I think we pretty much. I know Katie, you hated the Boltons, and I agree; I hate them. But the scenes were actually well done. <laughs> Yay for awkward family dinners. Yes, poor yeah. Sansa. She always has to have awkward family dinners. I know, I was listing them. There was the one with Cersei, Tommen, and Marcella, and there was the one with Lysa where she was complaining about Kat, and now there's this. I mean, there was that one where she was, well, yeah, there was the feast scene from the first episode where, you know, she got food thrown at her. That's true. And then she had that one weird lunch, I guess. With Yeah, there was the one where she was with Arya and Ned, and she got the doll, and... Arya was stabbing the table. <laughs> yeah. And then the one with Tyrion after the Red Wedding where yeah. you know, he was trying to talk to her and she's like, nope. <laughs> <laughs> We're not doing this. <laughs> you know, she's just very good at handling herself during awkward <laughs> awkward dinners. Um, but I really liked that scene. I loved how meek, how not meek she was and how she was... Kind of, she was sassy and she, she like was. smiled when Ramsey got totally uncomfortable. Like, about the whole baby thing. I really yeah. appreciate that she just well, was smiling about it. I would, I mean, I appreciated that scene, but I'm also kind of like Sansa. I'm glad you're thinking one step ahead. Please think two, because do you think he's not the kind of person who would now murder his father's wife? 
<laughs> no, well, yeah, no, she doesn't no, know no, that no. yet. No, but you could kind of see a little bit of that, the way that he paraded Theon. And just the act of him saying, okay, he said it, he's sorry, now it's settled. It's like, are you kidding me? You were the family that killed her mother and brother parading in front of you the person that, for all intents and purposes, burned alive your two little brothers. I just wanted him to be like, actually, I didn't kill them. It was some random kids, and um, they're still alive, just so you know. Yeah, I mean, that has to come out at some point. It does. Yeah, but I'm really glad it didn't come out in this scene, because then we would have had to deal with, like, the Boltons putting a hunt out for these two kids. Although, do you think... That it could eventually be a Brienne mission? No. To get the to get Bran and Rickon? Yeah. Like I if, think the Rickon one probably. Like if she and Pod are there and trying to help and, and that information comes out, I mean, maybe. Yeah. I just want someone to go find Rickon. Um and I just wanted to say I love the scene with Roos and Ramsey. One, because I like I said, Roos is the best troll ever. But I'm actually really glad they included the story about how Ramsay was conceived, just because I feel like people forget how horrible Roos is. Because yeah. it's very easy to be like, oh, Rob was stupid, he deserved it, like, we shouldn't care what Roos did, when um, Roos is, like, in some ways, way worse than Ramsay. So... Oh, yeah. And, I mean, I hate Roos more than I hate Ramsay. So. I mean, Roos is more calculating about it, and he's more, like, he knows what he's doing, yeah. whereas Ramsey's just fucking delusional. And that's why I think, in some ways, Roos is scarier. Yeah. I don't know. I I actually, I, I disagree, just because I feel like Roos is very scary, but he's the kind of person that will hold it, he has reins, you know, like, he'll hold himself back if he realizes it's not the best action so you can reason with him you cannot reason with an animal i mean you can reason with roos you can sort of not necessarily predict his moves but at least you can think about like what he's doing in a logical way right like he's out for for the boltons he's out for himself and he's gonna you know do things in their best interest whereas ramsey is a total wild card right so i mean mean, in that sense he's unpredictable and he's a little bit scarier in that sense but Ramsey's much more likely to fuck up, whereas Roos is in for the long haul, and he's not interested in making mistakes. You know, he's not dissimilar to Tywin. No. No, he's yeah. not. I mean, they even have that, uh, there's there's that parallel gift set, too, of the you are my son moment with Tywin and Roos to oh, Tyrion and Ramsey, respectively. I think I saw Hi. that, too. But yeah, I just liked that the show did include that, just... Mm-hmm. Because I feel it's important to their dynamic as a father and son, and I don't know. It gives you insight into Roos and how <laughs> scary he can be. Also, with Winterfell, I do want to say that at least Brienne has improved her sales pitch to people. There's no more <laughs> mention of Stannis face shadows killing people. You know, just going with the simple. You know. Yeah. She may be dead, but I still am holding to my vow, and that seems to work for the honorable people of the North. Well, because, I mean, Lady Catelyn was their lady. You know, you're in... Right. Even in the Riverlands, she still was the daughter of the Old Lord. Like, here, she was the person. Mm-hmm. You know, so this... It, it means more. It means way more to these people. Mm-hmm. And I feel... I forgot to mention this, but Jess pointed this out, too. You'll as the show as the episode progresses, Sansa is wearing her Stark clothes, including clothes that are very similar to what Cat wore. So that was a nice touch that the show. There was the uh, the 
roll around her neck. I noticed that in the in the meal scene when she's sitting next to yeah. Ramsey mm-hmm. and just that embroidery. I was like, did she take some one of her mom's dresses? That's what it looks like. Probably. I'm surprised it didn't burn. Yeah, well, maybe it was in a fireproof safe. Or maybe she just, you know, sewed it up really quickly because she's just that awesome. Oh, God, yeah. Miranda, I hate Miranda's her. totally <laughs> jealous. Yeah, we're not, well, let's not talk about We're her. getting there. Actually, getting maybe there. that's a good segue. So, <laughs> I think it, Into nerd rage. Yeah, if we're done with our Rhaegar all mode moments, and I think we did touch on the things that we liked the most, let's mm-hmm. talk about nerd rage. I mean, this is our biggest nerd rage is the whole Miranda, what the hell is she doing thing, right? Yeah, I mean, I don't know if it's nerd rage more than I'm worried, and I don't know where the show's going to go with this. Yeah. I'm not mad yet. <laughs> I'm not mad, but I don't really want it either. Like, yeah. I, I could do without it. It's a little weird. I, I'm going to make a Rain reference, and this is going to be terrible, but she just kind of reminds me of Kenna, but in, like, the worst possible way. <laughs> I can see that. Like, physically, they're similar. Yeah. Yeah, I can totally see that. And just kind of, like, the vibe where she's just like, I'm going to go, you know, act all jealous around you. And, like, it's just, it felt very much like that, but in a really, really, really well, terrible way. I mean, vibe. yeah. She kind of serves to humanize Ramsey a little bit. In the book, he's more like, he has no human connection. He doesn't want it. He doesn't need it. He uses people. He's sadistic. That's who he is in the book. In the show... Yes, he is all those things, but he had almost as a partner in crime with her. So it softens him to have her around. But then she's so weird and just like out of nowhere, so possessive of him that I'm just like, I don't want you anywhere near anybody that I like. Like, why are you even here? Go away. Was that the first time it's been mentioned that she's the kennel master's daughter? I think mm-hmm. so. I don't remember hearing that, but I to be honest, there are some of their scenes together I can't really watch more than once. No, they're awful scenes no. together. <laughs> like... Like the like in prior seasons, some of the Ramsey scenes are just too much to watch. Oh yeah, definitely. So I I mean I feel like that's the first time we heard it, but I could be wrong about that. Um, but yeah, my I don't. This is like a stupid. It's not really nerd rage. It's more like is the best idea that people can come up with is that Sansa's supposed to run to a broken tower that's like <laughs> outside of where she would normally be and ask for help. When if she's in danger, it's probably immediate and she would need the help right away and she probably wouldn't be able to even get to the broken tower. Yeah, but if you think of it that way, any help wouldn't be able to get to her until like well after. Wait, no, yeah, so, but I'm kind of like, this system seems complicated think- and long. <laughs> I really, really love Jess's The Beacon <laughs> Sansa calls for aid because that's genius. Yeah, that was great. And the and the gif with Aragorn running. <laughs> if Aragorn was going to come running to help her, I think she'd be Oh, okay. yeah. He would totally get there in time. <laughs> he would. But, I mean, I get it. The options are limited. And I like the concept behind it. But wouldn't her, the like, one in her bedchamber make more sense? Because it wouldn't be weird for her to light a candle in her own bedchamber in her own window. Well, it just it depends on if her she has a window. Yeah, like where's outside. her bedchamber now? I mean, it's easier to locate this, especially you know what it is too. People who live in around Winterfell know the landscape of Winterfell. If you don't know it the way that Brienne doesn't, then that's the best landmark she can think of. Well, if we go well, with the assumption that it's Brienne's candle, which I mean, that's kind of alluded to that totally. it could be, but I can see the argument that maybe it was a plot hatched up by Bran with the Northern conspirators since we don't have their names. Well, I mean, the thing is that the Northern, we don't know if the families are really doing it yet, but I think that the people want to help. Yeah. 
The people is what yeah. I mean. We don't have met the families yet. I think the better plan would just be to station one of those people outside her well, door at all times. Them, but they also probably don't have any weapons. Like, the thing is, these are conquered people, and they were never the warriors to begin with. Everybody who could fight left with Rob. Yeah. So you're dealing with a bunch of people yeah. who don't really know what they're doing. So now they have somebody who can fight, who's willing to help, and they're like, okay, good, we'll do something now. Yeah. So I'm curious to see where that goes. But when the whole plan was being said, I was like, is this really the way to get her the aid she needs the fastest? I'm not sure. <laughs> um, Answer, so no. I, yeah. <laughs> and I guess not really nerd rage too, but Jess raised a good point. We keep getting, keep getting told that the free folk are, you know, or John has to figure out a way to deal with them. But where are they? <laughs> Hard home. I, I mean, we see Torment, and they, we did see a small group of them when they burned Mans. But, and I get yeah. that the show probably didn't want to have to build another set to show, like, a pen where they're holding all the free folk captive. Right. But it, they're it's like, kind of weird. In the books, in the books they're, in a, they're in, like, cages or whatever outside the wall, yeah. right? Yeah. And there's nothing. I mean, even when they do wide shots at Castle Black, there's no indication that there's anything no. going on. I like our, our solution, our argument they just ran out of bearded experts. Oh, yeah, I, I mean... They all work on Vikings. It's fine. We well, need them Vikings back. Done, so have them all go back to Game of Thrones. <laughs> <laughs> so, were there any other nerd rage moments people had? Well, Jess mentioned the fact that John didn't acknowledge that there are free folk women who fight, well, no, which is a little I, weird. I, I actually really like that. I like that he brought up the fact that not all free folk women fight, because you do have... But he... The way he said it made it sound very traditional and, like, very, like, well, the women, the children, and the old people, we gotta do something for them, not, like, you know, what about the people who don't fight? I had a split second of, like, feminist rage when I heard that line, <laughs> and then I thought about it, it's like, well, no, not all of them do, and if you're talking about people at hard home or people in the settlements, like, there are gonna be people who don't fight, and they really do need the help. Yeah. Well, yeah, certainly. Well, but... no, and I agree. It's just the way he's talking to Tormund, and he, of course, traveled with Egret and Tormund, and yet he's. He, I think it's the way that that, the way he, the order of things that he gives that makes it kind of weird. Because when I watched it again, he does say yeah. people who don't fight. I think he says that, but does I think he? he says it after, and it's like if he started mm -hmm. with that, then that might have been better. But he starts with saying like the women, the children, the old, or whatever, and it's like. Some of the women do fight. Some of the children fight. We've seen well, this in yeah. a dance with the women fight, though. They refer to them as spear wives. Yeah. yeah I mean, it just... I mean, it's not anger. It just, you just wonder if the show, if, like, you know, Cogman and D&D &D and, and the other guy, you know, are paying attention to that or if it's... I think it was it just, deliberate. You know, I think you don't we're going to I mean, argue that John specifically uses free folk and wildling uh, for certain people. Then to use women instead of spear wives, like the way that he does, I would think that was deliberate. Just saying, like, look, there are people who don't fight. Do you want to sacrifice them too? Yeah. I mean, I get what he was trying to say. It was just, it seemed a little weird, but I'm not mad about it. It's more like, oh, that was no. a little weird just because he was talking to Tormund. Like, if he were talking to Stannis or if he were talking to the night's watch it, it wouldn't seem weird to me at all i would actually be more pissed but, off right. <laughs> if he was talking because these are people who don't understand the culture and don't understand that there are women who are warriors so to refer to women there just kind of feeds into the patriarchy of the culture of these people whereas talking to torment but i think it would make sense because it's the same thing as using terms like wildlings it's things that they yeah. understand whereas with torment 
you know, he understands spear wives and, you know, all that kind of stuff, and I feel like John would use that language, but, I mean, it, it ultimately, it's fine. It doesn't really matter. Yeah, it was just kind of weird. Speaking of things that are totally ridiculous, but I'm just wondering about, like, first of all, who makes the map markers in Westeros? Because they're all the same, <laughs> and that person must be making a counting. They have their number. And... They could probably single hand. They could probably single handedly bail the crown out of debt because you know <laughs> they've been selling these all over the place. And also, um, do the do the chains around the dragons' necks just like expand? Are they like magical and they just keep growing with them? Or is there somebody that's like making new chains to like and going and like changing them? Well, the only one who could like do that is Danny because like, give me a break. These dragons are hideous and terrifying. They are gorgeous, they're but they're hideous and terrifying. <laughs> Come on. Like, they just burned that guy alive and said, have these, and split the guy in half. Yeah. That was gonna go. I'm going to go with that they magically expand. <laughs> Somehow. Valerian <laughs> iron. Um, yeah. Well, you know, we can have vaults made out of it. I guess we can have neck chains. Um, speaking of Danny, we can get into Rachel's. Yeah, I don't. Note. I feel like I couldn't do her nerd rage justice. I don't. She's angry <laughs> about some of the changes to Danny's storyline. Jenny, maybe you can articulate it better. I'm not sure how to articulate it in a concise way. <laughs> I mean, okay. I mean, for me, based on what she's saying, for me, I understand where she's coming from and missing all of the other people around Danny. And that, what does she say here? Um,. I get that they wanted to give her active agency, but making all this stuff her idea and her choice, but Barrison getting knifed in an alley doesn't equal let's marry his dar and open the fighting pits because I can't take violence anymore. Um, and his dar hasn't proved anything, and in the books he does the whole 90 days of peace, and that allows people to place suspicion on him because if he's able to give 90 days of peace... You know, why is he able to do that? And is that because he is the harpy and he can stop them from doing things? And this is just so he can get his way. So, I mean, without all of that, you kind of don't have those different layers. And I mean, it's the same thing that the, you know, with the show that always is the problem is that there's not as much nuance and they can't do it as much because it's a TV show and they have to streamline. And so I get why they're doing it the way they are in the show, but I get why people would miss all of the stuff all the extra mm-hmm. stuff in the books you know I mean and I I mean I agree with her in that like I kind of like the fact that she has all these counselors and they're all pulling her in different ways and she's kind of feeling overwhelmed and she doesn't know what to do because she is a young girl trying to rule and as much as that line always kind of drives me crazy I'm a young girl I know nothing of the ways of war I mean I, I mean it's true in a lot of ways it is true in the situation and I think it's interesting that people are telling her to marry his Dar and she doesn't know what to do and, you know, for some strange reason she'd rather be with Dario and, you know, because like, book Dario makes less sense. But... <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> I would wonder if when she kind of pushed his Dar forward and he said Valarmogorgulis, I fucked that up. <laughs> Says that. Um, <laughs> You know, is that she kind of gives him a look, and I'm wondering if that's her realizing he's probably the harpy. I don't know. And then going in and marrying him is her way of keeping an eye on him because that's the thing. When people push her to marry him in the book, 
she really, you could see her confidence waning. And right now in this scene, as it is, she's actually taking more control of her destiny. So I'm almost wondering if they're kind of streamlining it in that she knows exactly what she's doing and she's playing a long con. I mean, I think that'd be interesting if she's playing a long con. I just, it is a little weird that, and I get that they're trying to push the show forward. It is a little weird that she would just be like, oh, what if I marry his daughter? And it's weird that she has no one to talk about it with, or she just goes to him directly and it's not, like, she doesn't have the conversation with anybody. I mean, I don't know who she'd have the conversation with because, you know, Miss Sandy was just like, I trust you implicitly, do what you want, you know? And, like, that's fine. And I think, I mean, it works for the show and it's like, you know, it'll be okay. But it is a little strange that she's just like, oh, I know, I'll marry his daughter. And, like, his daughter to this point, like, it's not even really explained why he's hanging around all the time. Like, you want it to be a long con because otherwise it makes no sense. Well, it's just like, why is he the one, like, you know, master head of his family that gets to hang out with her and be in her little, you know, advisory board? Because they couldn't afford two. <laughs> well, I, I mean, it's just, it's it's just like, they just never really explained his presence beyond him just like showing up and, you know, talking to her. But I don't know. It's, I mean, it's fine. It's just, I get where Rachel's coming from, that she kind of misses all of the other motivations behind it, so. I was just going to say that, Katie, I agree with that there was, like, when she, when he said that phrase and she looked at him, there was something there. What that was, I'm not sure. I don't want to get my hopes up that it could be a long con, or maybe it was just something that she recognized in him that she never really saw before, because she kind of always dismissed him, really. Um, so maybe she was like, oh, that, the fact that he would even say that, like, when he's faced with death. Uh, maybe she liked that, or maybe it's that she did realize that he could be the harpy. So there was something there, though. I don't what that is. I guess we have to wait and see. So I thought that was interesting. Um, I do like when he was like afterwards. He's like, I really didn't mean that. I really don't want to die at all. Please don't kill me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, no, but I think that's him also trying to save his own ass. I mean, he's not. He's saving his own ass, but he's also trying to further the cause. If he dies now, he's not going to be a martyr. You know, he would have been a martyr if he died with all of the other families present. Dying by himself in a dungeon does nothing. The real question is, who is going to eat the locusts? Um, I just wanted to raise that. I don't think Danny in the show, show Danny, made these decisions because Barristan died. I think it's more than that. It's that the fact that her army, her troops were basically ambushed and there were multiple. I mean, yes, Barristan died, but there was still an ambush and others died, not just Barristan. And that is, this has been ongoing. I mean, I know with the show, they can't show us everything, but we have to assume that even when Danny's not on screen, this stuff has been ongoing. So ever since the first episode where there started, there were attacks, there were some we haven't seen. So it's not just that he died. It's just that she's starting to Agreed. see all this other violence too. No, I mean, I agree with you, but it is very like cause and effect feeling on the show because all they can show you is Barristan lying on a slab without the creepy eye stones, mind you. Well, no, I just think it requires people remembering that it's a TV show and remembering all the prior scenes that led up to it. I know because it's Barristan that died, like, that's the most thing that happens right beforehand. But there were other Unsullied that died, too, and Grey Worm was hurt, and there were other people being ambushed, and then there were other Unsullied that died earlier in the year. So it's, you know, and the whole thing with Mosador. So it's like, there. I mean, she wasn't around, I think, last episode, maybe. I don't know, because the Danny scenes are split out. But if you watch, if you think of it, like, as a whole... 
I think you can see it's not just because. No, and I don't think it's because of the violence either. I think it's because she realizes she's like, all right, what am I doing here? And she's trying to see how she can really get a hold on all of this. I don't think the violence is it because she's more than willing to deal with violence. It's more about like, where am I going with this? And trying to get her own control over it. Yeah, it's probably a bit of both because no one wants to have like ambushes happening too. I also just want to note because I thought it was funny <laughs> um, when Rachel's long paragraph here, she's talking about his star potentially being the harpy and that allowing for the idea that the harpies are organized. And she says, well, I guess the harpies in the show are organized to all purchase the same mask. <laughs> See, that's the other thing. Who's making all the masks? Is it the map marker guy? <laughs> he, like, branching out? Um, I just want to close out the nerd race section by mentioning that I vomited my mouth a little bit when Ramsey said the North remembers. So this, like, not really nerd rage <laughs> at the show doing it, because I think that was actually perfect. a pretty perfect way. I think he would totally do that, because that's the kind of person he is, but it's still, ugh. God. Well, it made me want to punch him in the face, which I'm pretty sure Sansa also felt. So I felt at one with the show. <laughs> yeah. So we kind of touched on the things that they uh, left out or changed from the books. Of course, Jorah gets grayscale, which it does not happen in the books yet, as far as we know. <laughs> um, of course, John is working with Torment instead of with Val to kind of get the free folk through the wall. And, of course, the whole switch on this is Tormund's like, dude, you have to go with me to Hard Home. I know. <laughs> Which I'm I, like, no, I need some assurances. Yeah. Coming with Which, me. you know what, makes perfect logical sense. <laughs> it does. So I get it. Um, and another thing, so in the books, of course, the Rangers side with John. In the show right now, Thorn appears to be against John. We don't know if that will continue. Personally, I hope that Thorne will eventually side with him because I think it makes sense for the Rangers to side with John, and it would be so predictable if they just have Thorne just always be against John. Yeah, I mean, I I do agree with you, and you've said it before that it would be more interesting if he actually like changed his mind and supported him well, because it would show growth. In yeah, and all, I mean, it makes sense for Thorne not to. I mean, it does because Thorne? Yeah, he's a jerk, but he still believes in the Night's Watch, and he's a practical guy, and he understands the war that's coming. I mean, even Book Thorne does. He like mm -hmm. is completely angry that no one in King's Landing pays attention to him when he's down there trying to like prove <laughs> that the Whites are here. Like, look, I've got yeah. the zombie hand. Shit's going down at the wall. You yeah, and even when Slint's about to get his head cut off, even Thorne's like, nope, I'm not touching <laughs> this. Like, So there's, yeah, he's a jerk, but I think he's still a true, yeah, he's a logical, he's a logical jerk, jerk, and he's jerk. pragmatic, and he's like a true Night's Watch person. So it would, I would be annoyed if they yeah. actually had him in there. Well, and also, it makes stabber. the most sense to have him and the Rangers be behind John because these are the people who actually live among the free folk. You know, they're going to be the ones who don't yeah. see them as monsters that everyone was telling bedtime stories about. The stewards would. The builders would. I mean, these are people who yeah. don't really live among them. So, Or, I mean, even not even just the free folk, but they understand war and they understand the other, the White Walkers are coming. Right. Who the fuck cares? Yeah. Like, who you're fighting beside, as long as they're human. <laughs> like, it's like, we will deal with our differences exactly. later. For now, just help me survive. Yeah. <laughs> Exactly. Um, but I am... And some other changes. Well, sorry. But, I'm just... I'm happy yeah. that Sam brought up the gift rather than... Because, yeah. you know, if he hadn't, then it would just look like John was promising land that he didn't own. But the fact that we know that there are lands in the gift that the Night Watch owns that could be used for farming, 
I mean, true. These are all abandoned yeah. because wildlings were ra- free folk <laughs> were raiding it for years and years. But I mean, it's there. They're not trying to take away the resources of Westeros at large. So I, I was, I like that. I thought it was important. You said it. Yeah. And an upcoming episode is titled "The Gift." Yeah. Speaking of Sam. Yep. Is he going to go to Old Town? I mean, they opened the door for that. I mean, why have all that set up if you're not going to do it? I think if it's going to happen, it's just going to happen after Aemon dies, and maybe as the other yeah. people are heading to Hardhome. Yeah. I can't remember if that was, like, a real thing that I heard, that that Arya was going to run into somebody. But yeah, I kind of think it would be interesting. I mean, we can help. I don't like Sam and Gilly. <gasps> no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> relationship i feel like sam is kind of like gilly is trying very hard to learn everything she can and she's excited to learn and and sam just makes her feel he treats her like she's stupid i don't think he i actually think he does the opposite of that and we didn't mention this before but jess wrote that she really liked that sam was like no but you know things i don't know and he like listed them like i i don't know i think Sam's kind of the opposite of what you think, Katie. But it's just, you know, opinions. It, it could be the way I'm looking at it, but it felt patronizing to me. Yeah. But I mean, I mean, I think Gilly feels that way, but I don't think Sam's intended yeah, it that okay. way. Yeah. I'll buy that. I'll, I'll let me watch it again and try to look at it through Sam's POV instead of Gilly's because I'm kind of looking at it through hers. Yeah. Because Sam, I feel like, you know, I mean, that was kind of his whole thing before he got forced into coming to the Night's Watch. You know, I mean, he had. You know, respect for all of those kind of things, and he kind of wanted to learn all of those things, but Randall Tarly wouldn't have it. So, I feel like he respects all of the skills that she has. Yeah. But from her perspective, yeah, I can see where she's like, stop. Yeah, and I think it's idiot. also from her perspective, she also just feels dumb because there's so many things she doesn't know, and she's realizing it more and more because she's around mm-hmm. people who are now south. She's south of the wall now, and. I mean, she's not a dumb person, but because she was never taught these things. I mean, there's a difference between someone who's, like, dumb and just someone who just doesn't know things. Well, I mean, it's also, like, she was stuck in Craster's Keep and she's, you yeah. know, really, really sheltered and really naive about the world. Whereas, like, you have someone like Ygritte, you know, teasing John about how she, you know, because she doesn't know all of the, you know, the, the proper things. And she's just like, whatever, I don't care. But Gilly kind of, you yeah. know, she seems more sensitive it. to it. But she's not a dumb person. Mm-hmm. And I don't think Sam thinks she's dumb. It's just... No. Yeah, but... Aw. I just think that's not going to end well. <laughs> it's all going to end horribly. <laughs> so are we going to get the fat pink mast? Oh. Well... Yeah, I'm, bring- I'm doing it. I'm bringing it there. It's fine. Probably. I'm going to drag this show into the gutter. <laughs> I mean, this is HBO. You think they're going <laughs> to get away from that? But will we see it? Is John Bradley doing that? Oh, probably n- not. You know, but I like I like John Bradley a lot, and I would be supremely uncomfortable. <laughs> yeah, no, I, yeah. I mean by that I mean I when I said yes, I meant that they're probably going, they're definitely going to have sex at some point. How graphic that will be, I'm I'm not. Sure. That would be like watching my brother having sex, and I don't want to oh, do it. Yeah, okay. Moving on. <laughs> <laughs> Obsidian. Obsidian. So, so um, in this episode, we saw Stannis and Sam have, you know, a nice little moment where they bonded over Obsidian. And this, of course, is important. This comes up in the books because Stannis is having the Obsidian from Dragonstone sent to the wall. And so I'm just wondering if this means that they're still going to do that. Because why else would you talk about this? 
Yeah, he's like, there's stuff, some of that on Dragonstone. I do yeah. like that, you know, when Sam talks about the children of the forest, Sanus isn't just like, ha, fairy tales like everybody else would be. Yeah. He's like, oh, we have that stuff on Dragonstone, okay. Well, he has to, because he, he's traveling around with a woman who can, like, kill people with shadow babies. If you're traveling That's around true. with shadow baby woman, how can you, like, poo-poo at fairy tales? <laughs> Very true. Point taken. Well, and I think at this point, Stannis is just like, okay, everything's true. I'm just going to assume all those things are true. <laughs> yeah. And we'll prepare for you it. Know, and God loves Stannis, because he just promises <laughs> thing like that. Like, oh, so this kid who's pretty much just like a bookworm killed a White Walker with some dragon glass. Instead of going like, this sounds really implausible. What the hell are you smoking, kid? He's like, oh, I have some of that at my house. Do you need some? Like, Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I do think it's interesting that in the show, Sam's not, you know, embarrassed about the fact that he killed a White Walker because in the books, he's just like, no, the dragon glass did it. It wasn't me. Yeah. And he's just really down on himself about it and he doesn't know how it happened. The character of Sam on the show is very different from the one in the books and so yeah. it makes sense for show yeah. Sam. But I just yeah, think I it's interesting. Thought about that. Well, they moved his, his whole journey of self-discovery and getting some self-esteem farther a lot. And they've kind of put a lot of that on his relationship with Gilly, which is like, well, I wish you weren't codependent, but I'm glad that you're not such so insecure anymore. So anything else about the adaptation um, and what this could mean for future storylines or anything in the show? Because we kind of, we talked about Jorah a lot. Um, I guess the one thing is that, so if (laughs) Jorah gets grayscale, and this is something that we've talked about in prior podcasts, that George has said that there will be plagues hitting Westeros, basically. Of course, we see the tail mare and we see grayscale. The show seems to only be focusing on grayscale, which I think we all agree is perfectly fine. We don't need to see the pale mare on Yeah, I really do not want (laughs) to see that. I'm okay with it. Yeah. I mean... The only thing is, with the Pale Mare plague, that seems to happen much quicker. Whereas Grayscale, unless they're going to kill Jorah off real fast, like, and you're going to have a bunch of stone men running around, I don't see how that can really be the plague that just starts killing everybody off. Unless it's like the silent killer. And is Danny going to fear she's getting Grayscale? Because that's very different from her. Yes, I mean, that's true. So... Symptoms-wise, I'm not sure how it would work, but I understand why they would want to Yeah, or they just don't want to make people have to watch The Pale Mare on television. I don't think they've ever shied away from being disgusting. Then again, it's HBO. (laughs) Yeah, I know. Yeah, we'll have to see. There's no episode called The Pale Mare. Yeah. Maybe that's next season. (laughs) Oh my god. I think it'd have to be this season. Yeah, I I feel like we aren't going to be in Marine much longer. Oh, thank Christ. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so upcoming events that people are excited for lauren is excited for diana rig to return since it seems that she's back next week or yeah mm-hmm. yeah i am not excited for the reason why she's coming back because i don't want to watch them further destroy loris's character <laughs> but you know yay diana rig i mean god damn it i I've ranted yeah. about this several times. I really hate, I hate how they're portraying Loras. I hate what they're doing here. I mean, I'm but, at the point where I'm just like, just get it over with so that we can move on to the point where Cersei starts getting harassed because... That's why I don't think they're going to even like do that much with Marjorie. I feel like it's all going to be about Loras and it pisses me off. 
And it, this could have been really cool. You could have had an Anne Boleyn thing, which would have been I great know. for, like, Natalie Dormer. Like, fuck. I mean, <laughs> maybe next episode it will make more sense. But right now I'm not looking yeah. forward to it. But Arya, yeah. yay. Arya, yay. Yeah, looking forward to Arya. She comes back. There hasn't been a lot of Arya. No. And makes sense. I mean, she's training. And as we know from D&D and Bran, they don't care about nope. training. So we'll get to see Arya next week. And I think I'm in the minority, but I'm actually looking forward to seeing Littlefinger in King's Landing just because I really don't know where they're going to yeah, go. Yeah, I'm intrigued. And, no, I agree. And you know what? I kind of, I hate Littlefinger. People that know me know he's like my most hated character in the oh, series. Oh, yeah. High five. I am in- <laughs> yeah, I'm intrigued by him and I'm also amused by him in some <laughs> ways. So I'm curious to see how he will play Cersei. I just don't know what because the hell he's doing. Because who's going to come out on top? It's not going to be Cersei. Let's be honest here. <laughs> Littlefinger's Littlefinger is. So we shall see. I think that'll be interesting. Well, we'll see. But I'd be shocked. No, yeah, certain no. <laughs> like if it's between those two, <laughs> Littlefinger in, should win. Like if he's anything like, you know, book Littlefinger or even show Littlefinger, he's still, you know. As someone I follow on Tumblr says, he's sleazy Pete. <laughs> right. I mean, he's got more guile in his pinky than Cersei has in her entire body. <laughs> so, anything else? I mean, I know I'm looking forward to Hard Home, but that's still a couple episodes away. Yeah, I think that's that's it for the moment. Yeah. And notice none of us said Dorne. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm just a little disappointed at Dorne, so I'm just kind of like, I guess, right, I I guess know. we do have Tristan and Marcella to look forward to. Oh, great. Yeah. And well, and Alexander, we do enjoy him as Doran. It's just, I think as a whole, our group is not really excited about where this is going because we're bored by the Sand Snakes. Yeah, I mean, the, yeah, that's it. The Durant low budget like, Sand Snakes in their tent in the middle of nowhere with their bucket. Like, yeah. Just they're not written well. Basically. The whole dialogue was like, eh, ugh, whatever. Yeah. Ugh. <laughs> well, the people doing next week can go over that. <laughs> Let's let's toast to LCJ Snow. To, yeah, yeah. So to Lord Commander John Snow, to Lord, Lord Commander, Commander John, John Snow. Snow, and your poor. You're still poor making decisions. good choices, even if you'll get stabbed. <laughs> At least you won't get grayscale. No, he's not going to get grayscale. Well, well he might get grayscale. I mean, <laughs> not yet. Jorah's going to cross Shireen the narrow sea. Jorah's going to cross the narrow sea and be like, John Snow, shake my hand. No, yeah. he's going to activate Shireen. Or the child and is like unclean. Everybody, everybody gets Grayscale. It'll be the Oprah Winfrey show of Grayscale. You get a little Grayscale. <laughs> you, you get, get some. Grayscale. You get Grayscale. Well, and then the stone men don't have to be ostracized. Everyone can just live together. Oh, the stone men utopia. Hissing yeah, at each other. It'd be great. For thousands of years <laughs> to come. <laughs> what do the White Walkers do with the with the Stone Men? Are they just like, uh, I can't turn you? What, what Wait, what if everybody? Oh, do, yeah. That's the solution. The White Walkers are given grayscale, and then they like turn into stone, and they just like sink into the. I don't know. No, that won't work. <laughs> I don't know. They might be immune to that. To grayscale. Yeah, we don't know. <laughs> <laughs> to grayscale. Let's toast oh to grayscale. God. Yeah, to grayscale. To grayscale. <laughs> oh, God. All right. Bye, Bye. And so he broke that sacred oath, that Lord of the Crossing. And now the pie crusts cover his kin, and they're so good to eat. Yes, now the pie crusts cover his kin, revenge.
Bless me again. Bless you. <laughs> Those are some really cute. I'm just allergic to bold. <laughs> <laughs>